This is Sending Signals, a show about music and creativity. I'm your host, Matt Royal. Welcome to the show. My guest this episode is TV producer and Daria co-creator Susie Lewis. Susie Lewis was an intern at MTV when she began working on the show Beavis and Butthead. That show featured a sardonic character named Daria and feeling that MTV needed more content for girls, Susie was drafted in alongside Glenn Eichler to create a spin-off series called Daria. Daria is not just a great animated series, it's a great TV series full stop. It still stands up really well, it's smart and funny and warmly evocative of the late 90s and millennial era in which it was made. Making this podcast continues to be a very bizarre experience for me, in this case, phoning LA to speak to Susie about the making of one of my favourite TV shows. As you'll hear, she was lovely. I had a great time talking with her, and I hope you enjoy it too. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a nice review and star rating if you can. You can also find me on Twitter at Signals Podcast and on Instagram at Sending Signals Podcast. Here we go. Hello. Hello, it's Matt. Hey, Matt. How are you doing? I'm okay, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. Excellent. Are you in LA? Is that right? Yes, I am. How is it there today? Is it, is it, have you got good weather? You know, we're kind of used to consistent 70 degrees here. And when it's not that, we get really angry. <laughs> <laughs> and for the past, like, I mean, we've kind of had a rough winter, which means it's rained a couple times. But, um, it's been like cloudy and a little cold lately. We had like a good spell of like 75 and sunny for the past few weeks. And now we're back in the dark time. Uh, how long have you lived in LA? I've been here since 1999. And I've been back and forth to New York and LA a couple times in there. But love LA and want to stay here forever. Really? Yeah. I'm a converted New Yorker. <laughs> What do you like about it? Is it is it, <laughs> is it is it is it the weather? I mean, I know it must for your like for work wise. I guess it's where a lot of TV stuff is. But like, is it? It must be more than that. Yeah, well, it's definitely like work and the weather, and um, you know, I'm really happy that I grew up in New York and struggled there as opposed to here. I think there's something about when you're young and struggling, it makes it a little easier in New York because you're just accepting of certain conditions <laughs> that you can't change. Um, but, I, you know, I it's a little more laid back. I feel like the people from New York came here anyway, so I don't have a problem with a lot of the people, sure, there's those people from the middle of the country that are annoying. But other than that, it's like a very relaxed, easy vibe, I think. 
And I think that's what I appreciate in my older age. What do you do now? Because I know like, you were on Sea Rescue for years and, and that finished. What are you doing day to day? What are you working on at the moment? Yeah, so I think I've had probably the most jobs than anyone on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> I literally went from starting at MTV and having, you know, working at the company on staff there to since I've been in LA, I've been at a couple different companies, but I'm usually, which is now the case, on a project to project basis. Right. So after rescue I kind of can't really remember exactly what happened after that but I eventually ended up um, doing a video gaming series at Disney XD which was really a lot of unexpected fun and now I'm at Fender which is the music you know the music company the guitar and they have a um, play app where you can learn how to play guitar bass or ukulele um, by watching instructors teach you lessons so from your home and I'm directing those lessons wow <laughs> yeah that's, that's fantastic I've definitely gone all over the place with a lot of my jobs and roles and job titles but I like to keep it interesting so I gather you're a guitarist yourself to a to a degree no that's the beauty of it is that i'm not so i'm working with musicians all day long who are not only teaching me about guitar but teaching of course viewers and it certainly helps my job because if it's clear to me then i know it's clear to beginners and then there's other kinds of like quality control people to that um make sure that expert level and, you know, the right notes are being hit and stuff like that. So I don't have to know guitar to actually do the job. Right. Yeah, I guess an outside perspective is actually really useful. <laughs> yeah. I think so. You're quite a big... Mu- I, having a look at your Instagram and things, I, I get the vibe you're, you're quite a big music fan, though. Yes, I do love music and I always have. And that really was my main reason for pursuing MTV in the beginning and getting my start there. At the time, they used to be all about music. So I obviously wanted to talk about Daria, which means sure. which means it's a show that means a lot to me. And I've just watched all five seasons. And it, of course, makes me nostalgic for the late 90s or whatever. And it's a, like a comforting yeah. watch. But it still makes me laugh out loud. It still moves me. It still makes me think. It's aged really well, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, of course, never gets old hearing. I love to hear that. Yeah. And to say it's surprising is um, is exactly how it is surprising and constantly surprising that it just keeps you know carrying on and you know the 25th anniversary was maybe last year but the 20th was in 2017 and a lot of um journalists like picked up that story and I had all these interviews to do which was great fun but there was a lot of press 
about the 20th anniversary and it's it's just joy that's all I can say (laughs) I really love to hear it and I'm surprised by it and it'll never get old (laughs) it's I think the themes of it are so resilient I mean to, to me it's it's a show about the meaning of life like what is everyone yeah. working for what is it that gives true meaning to life and if the system the sort of the system of things is geared towards maintaining like a class system what, what how much do you engage with that when you don't agree with it and this idea of kind of this low-level existential dread <laughs> like running through it is really interesting yeah um it is interesting. I mean, we didn't think about any of that stuff when we were creating the show, you know, like the only thing we wanted to create was a show about a young girl who was, you know, smarter than most and very in touch with everything you mentioned, which probably all the people around her weren't in touch with that at all. But there's also the high school experience, which I think is a lot like life. And a lot like your many stages of life, as I think a teenager, you think it's going to get better and it's going to get easier, but it doesn't, (laughs) which is why I think most people when they're adults, they are constantly reflecting on how their life was in high school and whether or not they want to go back and things were easier than when at the time it, it wasn't easy for any of us at that age, you know, we're all, we were all struggling with something then. And I think there's that common um, high school experience that is never going to get old, no matter what you're dealing with in high school at whatever decade and time, there's going to be those similar feelings. And I think that's really what it comes down to is the feelings behind everything. They're timeless. Do you see yourself in, when you think back to your high school years, do you identify with Daria or do you identify more with, you know, Brittany? Like, it, what what resonated, <laughs> which character resonated? I'm, I, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that, but like... <laughs> no, <laughs> but I do like her and yeah. I know people like her. Um, but I do identify more with Jane. Um, we kind of made, although I'm not really as, talented artistically in the drawing sense as she is I feel like I knew a lot of people like Daria and bonded with people like that who were often the nerdy types Mm. but I was like more an artistic type and I don't know if you remember Jane was an athlete she ran track and field Um, we only did it in a couple episodes it never kind of really stuck but for me that you know I was involved in gymnastics and that was a large part of my life too outside of high school um but glenn who's the co-creator of daria glenn eichler i see him as a lot more like daria and our relationship creating the show i thought was very similar to daria and jane has your view of daria changed as you've got older because i think for me when i was younger from my perspective, oh, I just I just want to marry a girl that's like Daria. You know, it's like this gold <laughs> standard. And then as you get older, you, you realise that actually that worldview is kind of quite exhausting. 
to, to to maintain you know and i guess that's a natural thing of of, of as, as you get older you sort of you you mellow out in certain ways yeah i think there's something though that does carry on with her um i i have had the opportunity to think about what she would be like today yeah. you know and with every company that gets interested in spinning her off or um reimagining her older it has made me think about what she would be like today and what her challenges would be and i think i feel like she would still have trouble fitting in i think that's what was so um why you loved her so much because you empathize with that you know we all feel like we don't fit in a lot and while it's very important in high school it's also very important in the working world you know and i can certainly relate um to that living in hollywood california you know there's a lot of people like britney here you know but there's a lot of people like daria here too and you just kind of have to find them but it's not it's not always clear or there's not it's not always guaranteed you're gonna find them especially for me in every new job or project that I take on, I kind of have to navigate like who's Daria and who's Jane and who's Brittany. Most of the people are Brittany. (laughs) I hate to say it, you know, so (laughs) you're, you're the way Daria was kind of forced to get along um, with everyone in her class. And she was never mean to anybody. She was never mean to Brittany or Kevin, and even though she was kind of making fun of them, they, Brittany and Kevin were never hurt by it because they just didn't know. So there's like a delicate kind of dance that she will have to do, I think, later in life where she can't be as outspoken or as insulting to coworkers, you know? Um, yeah, it's interesting. You have to fit in in different ways throughout life, I think. Can you help me understand the process that you and Glenn went through to develop the show? Because as I said, you were working on Beavis and Butthead and the sort of simplified version that you hear is that basically MTV executives wanted a show for girls <laughs> um, on, the, on the network. And Yeah, so Beavis and Butthead was obviously huge. I was working on that show because at the time I was working at MTV um, on music and concert specials and stuff. And Beavis and Butthead was going to turn from promos into a series and executives had figured out the best way to fill the half hour of the cartoon would be to add music videos because most of those small little cartoons were really only 15 minutes long. So they wanted to pair it with something and of course make it, you know, make sense to air on MTV. So once again, at the time, music was very important. So they needed somebody to uh, produce the music video portion of the show. And that's where I came in. I got hired to do that job, which was probably one of my best jobs next to Daria. Um, I got to pick all the music videos and just put those little packages together after some voiceover recording um, and hand them over to Beavis and Butthead 
producers and they would fit them into the show. So after I had done that for maybe a couple of years, I met Glenn. He was a writer on Beavis and Butthead. And we were always talking about what would be next for us and the kinds of shows that we wanted to work on. And it was always something that would be more in like the sitcom world. And when Beavis and Butthead became so successful, the executives over at MTV did kind of clue in to like, hey, this is very boy-driven. Why don't we have something that's more girl-driven? And Daria was a character in Beavis and Butthead. And they thought about spinning her off. And they asked me and Glenn if we wanted to do it. And we were both like, yes. (laughs) So we worked on um, a pilot with some of the other writers on Beavis and Butthead and produced like a two-minute, three-minute animatic of what might happen in an episode. And MTV had a focus group of about 12 to 15 people who watched that animatic along with other series like Eon Flux and The Max and The Head, which all went on to be um, short-lived series on MTV, but still very good. And all those people loved Daria the most. And I really believe it was because she's a person. In the same way, The Simpsons seem like people. Um, In Eon Flux, she didn't say anything and she was walking around in underwear, you know. So it was like hard to relate to a superhero like that. But Daria, it was very easy for, I think, audiences to relate to her. And I think... And anyway, so once the um, focus group went so well... Um, the executives then asked us to put together like a pitch deck and we did it and we presented it and it was really just like 15 pages of paper and they said, do you guys want to do this? And we said, yes. (laughs) And that's kind of how it started. And we never thought about like timeline or story arcs or character development We just sort of made it up as we went along and that made it really fun and, you know, freeing. And I don't think anybody realized it would become the hit that it ended up becoming because maybe by season three, we were told that we needed to make like a story arc and people were much more interested about where we saw the characters going. Um, but yeah, I guess that answers some of the questions. <laughs> yeah. It's weird it being a spin-off show because it's to me it's it's it Daria is to Beavis and Butthead what Frasier is to Cheers. <laughs> it's kind of it's so kind of tangential. Um yeah. and just yeah, a very different like let's establish it as a very separate thing. What was sort of for you wanting to create something more in a sitcom format? For you, what were the kind of like perfect sitcoms what were the sort of sitcom models that you had in mind when you went in what was a what was a good sitcom to you in your head at that point I'm I'm trying to think because I know it started when I was very young and when I was very young all those years ago the programs were mostly sitcoms um we say cheers and that you know was definitely one, but I don't know if that, I don't know the dates of when that started, but, you know, shows like Friends were something that I always thought that I would 
work on Roseanne was one of my favorite all time sitcoms. Um, I'm trying to think of like what might have been before that though, because those are very 90s. Yeah. But I can't remember. But I do remember those shows always being um, an influence, even when we were uh, producing Daria. They were still very much an influence. At least Roseanne was, because, you know, Darlene is very similar to Daria. And also at the time, My So-Called Life, which wasn't really a sitcom, it was more like a drama, but it was teen-oriented and it had, you know, a girl at the center of the story who was a little different than everybody else. So all those kinds of things, which it's funny because now I don't watch sitcoms at all. Um, (laughs) I think we're all just kind of streaming stuff anyway, and I do watch a lot of TV, but it's not sitcoms i kind of skipped over that after daria did you find a show generally to be like a a harmonious process with you and the team were there decisions that were particularly fraught or that provoked kind of strong feelings amongst people or did you did you generally feel like everyone was on the same page with the show Yeah, definitely on the same page. Glenn and I were always in sync. We had a team of artists working with us that, you know, were also young and enjoyed everything about the show. Um, The strong feeling was laughing (laughs) all the time. Yeah. I remember laughing, you know, reading scripts, developing scripts in voiceover records with actors. We had the best time always laughing and when we put the track together too we were just constantly laughing at everything so that was a good sign (laughs) yeah 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 can you tell me anything that might surprise me about the making of a show that's a hard question i don't know i thought i would have um surprised you with the fact that we made things up as we went along yeah i mean i guess it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, you can watch it in such a compressed period of time now. So I've done the five series over the past two or three months or something. So to me, it feels like, oh, actually, there's quite a lot of development. But that's because I'm getting to like the plot with Tom, you know. Yeah. It, it, like over, rather than a space of years, I've just done it in the space of weeks, you know, and so... Like a perception of time, I think, with TV shows and their development is so twisted now. We've been able to watch it um, in a condensed period of time. That, um, but there's nothing. But what I will say is, there's nothing watching it in a condensed period of time like I've just done. There's there's nothing really that there's not things that are inconsistent. Um, like I'm a big Mash fan, you know, and sometimes. With Mash, you'll notice little continuity errors because they made 250 episodes. And if you've watched them all and you watch them in a short space of time, it's like, oh, okay, they've used that extra again. And like, oh, his wife back home had a different name earlier in the series. And things like that, sometimes you, know, you get to notice that when you've got DVD yeah. box sets or whatever. But with Daria, there's very little, if if anything, that jumped out at me as like, oh, that's a bit inconsistent. <laughs> um, it's remarkably yeah. consistent throughout. You did a really good job. So, oh, well, that's good. Yeah, I guess it is surprising that you didn't have 
like more of a plan? Yeah, um, you know, some of the things that you probably didn't notice, um, you know, one of the characters, Mac, who was Jody's boyfriend, yeah, he was like the smart counterpart to Kevin on the football team. Yeah, yeah. And he had a different actor every season. Really? <laughs> we had such a trouble, like, nailing his voice. Or, like, because we... And also, we tried to cast a lot of actors from the high school of performing arts because we wanted them to be teens. So, you know, a lot of time you had, you had like 40 year old actors playing teens (laughs) and we definitely wanted to like make it a little more authentic than that. So we had, you know, a pretty large cast of teens from the high school of performing arts and Mac was somebody who either graduated and moved away or we didn't really like his acting chops, or we didn't think the sound of his voice was right. But we had a, we casted him and recasted him many times. <laughs> oh, um, and one of the other things I could tell you that maybe no one was aware of is that a lot of the characters, especially the background characters, were designed after all the people on our staff. So we all kind of have caricatures of ourselves within the classroom. And we also designed a lot of the characters that had um, dialogue to be kind of similar looking to, you know, the, the teenagers of that time. So like the cast of Dawson's Creek, the cast of My So-Called Life, as I mentioned, you know, whatever, like, younger teen at that time was popular, we had, you know, whenever we had a new character, we would, we would tell the artist, make them look a little like this, or maybe a little bit like that with, you know, a little bit of Katie Holmes in there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, week to week, what was your job on the, can you, can you explain to me your, what, what your role was? Because... I'm guessing you, you didn't write for the show as such, did you? So would you be, but would you be cha- making changes to the scripts and suggesting things? How, how, how did you influence the direction of the show for those seasons that you worked on it? I, you know, Glenn was really in charge of all the scripts and worked closely with the writers. And I certainly gave my feedback on the scripts, but you're correct, I wasn't a writer. I was more in charge of, um, some of the design, what the art looked like, as okay. well as um, a lot of the music in the show, which it really breaks my heart now, but the background music that played in the show um, was stuff that I programmed, and it was all current music, and also music you normally didn't hear or see on MTV, so at the time, you know, it could have been cake (laughs) and they just weren't very popular with their videos or their music at the time. They were a little more alternative, but I really like that was a large part of my job is trying to find and listen to the perfect um, piece of music for every scene. And what's so heartbreaking now is any new, um, or any wherever you can see Daria. I think it might still be on one of the Viacom channels. Every now and then they start re-airing it again. 
but it doesn't have the original music because back then, you know, all the record labels would do anything for MTV to air its music. So they were even trying to get us to get on board with their bands and they were happy to have any kind of notoriety for their bands. And um, now the rules have changed (laughs) quite a bit, you know, and artists want to be paid for everything and rightly so. But MTV couldn't sell Daria with that original music and they didn't have the rights to use that music anymore. So now it's just kind of, it exists on bootlegs somewhere, (laughs) but it's a little harder to find. Yeah, so Amazon Prime streaming has it over here, which is uh-huh. which is great. But yeah, I'm pretty sure the music's been replaced. I mean, I remember there being a Low Fidelity All-Stars song <laughs> in an episode, like when yeah. I saw it on MTV2 and back in the day. And like, we had like a whole, I don't know if you remember the episode where they went to that Lollapalooza type of concert and they got stuck in traffic. Yeah. And there was, we did a whole montage for REM's When It Hurts. (laughs) And that video has them all sitting in traffic. It's black and white. There's like the lyrics um, across the bottom of the screen in the video. And it was such a big video at the time. And we did an homage of the video with, um, Daria and her friends stuck in traffic and it was really funny and we got to use the REM music and now they have some random music in there and it's, it makes no sense at all. I don't know how it reads to people that are looking at it for the first time if they just think it's a weird montage <laughs> but it's really funny because obviously the joke was quite lost. I guess t- TV shows were not prepared for the future of like DVD box sets and streaming yep. services. And I think Wonder Years had a similar problem for a long time with sort of being able to kind of being able to release it on home formats because of the music involved in, in the show. So, yeah, it's a, it's a strange issue when you've got a particularly music-based TV show. For yeah. Sure. Um, am I right in thinking that you basically left after Series 3 but were sort of a consultant kind of for one more series for series four or were you still were you still full-time for series four? Oh no I after three seasons I um left and came to LA yeah. and again like you know it was a time when there wasn't remote working from home <laughs> yeah. so I had scripts sent to me in the mail and I consulted on those so I wasn't part of the day-to-day yeah yeah was there a particular reason for leaving Daria or was it more you wanted to make the move to LA so it just wasn't practical to stay on the show? Were, were, the, two, were the two connected or was it just a separate kind of thing that came yeah, to head? I, I think my plan was always to come out to LA. It was something I always dreamed of as a kid. So, you know, I had been at MTV for about seven years, maybe eight years. Um, and just kind of wanted to ride the Daria wave and at the same time take some time off and travel and find a new place to live and all of that. So I'm very glad that I did that. I often think about how great it would have been if I could have worked remotely and stayed on, you know, but, um, 
yeah, I was pretty fulfilled with what I had done on the show and all that I accomplished at MTV. Could you watch it after you left or was it hard to, to watch? I haven't, I don't think I've seen the last two seasons to this day. <laughs> really? And it's, it has nothing to do with it. I mean, I guess it was somewhat hard to watch, but I think it's more about the fact that I don't really watch animation to begin with. Yeah. Um, and it's really funny because I look back at, you know, I went to MTV because of my love for music and I wanted to be involved in the music. And every step of the way in the animation department, I was involved with the music, you know, and Daria allowed me to kind of feel like I was working on a sitcom and still being really creative at a music channel. Um, so I really wanted to do more of that. And when I did come out to LA, LA, some of the first things that I worked on were a lot of like award shows and concerts and live music types of things. So like a lot of video music awards and video music awards for Latin America and just even CMT awards. So I think that was my first passion and i really wanted to get back to it well i hope one day you feel up to watching the last two series because yeah they, they did the show proud it's really it's really good to the end there's a satisfying ending and there's some yeah there's some fantastic episodes in the last two series as well so yeah maybe one day you should cool. do it <laughs> I mean, I kind of would like to with whatever the original music was, because I know I, uh, when I left um, my job there, I made sure I taught the producers behind me um, how to pick the right music, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is really funny because um, I know they did a good job, but it's funny to think that I gave them that instruction. Yeah. Like, here's how you pick music. <laughs> um, thank you for talking. Yeah. I really appreciate it. It's it's the magic of the internet and podcasting. And, um, yeah, I am. Um, and having just gone through the show and, and lo still loving it, it's, um, it's amazing that you'd be happy to talk to me. So thank you. Oh, no problem. Thank you for the interest and for being so complimentary throughout the interview. I really appreciate it. And that's our show. Thanks as always to our guests whose opinions are our own. See you soon.